The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico. Uh, We have a really great show for you today. I'm so excited to be talking to you about one of my favorite topics. We're going to be talking about um, storytelling in organizations and harvesting your stories. I'm not going to give the game away just yet as to what that is because my guest has a has a, a really great point of view that I would, would love her to share later. So, uh, but just to say, you know, your st- your, you know, we always say on the show, your, your organization, no matter how big it is, you got stories, people are saying stuff. So um, how do you find them, leverage them, use them for your own internal development, as well as your external marketing? These are all questions that um, we have lots of fun asking every week. So, But before we get into today's show, I wanted to thank my guest from, from last week. It was Kevin Cordy, and um, he was so much fun. We talked about story and play. And, you know, often in storytelling, it's become fairly, um, we're kind of serious about story in, in, uh, in storytelling sometimes. And it is a valuable tool, powerful tool, powerful, not even tool, kind of um, process and exercise. But, you know, there's the other part of story, which is it's so fun to play in it. And there's a lot of creativity there. So Kevin was really great at reminding us about that and about how the process is often more valuable than the the end result. Um, So uh, you can have a listen to that on the Story Powered On Demand library. And you can check out Kevin on permissiontoplay.com. But don't go anywhere just now because we have such a good show with you for you um, and with you of course you're with us <laughs> so stay with stay with us here but before we uh, talk about um, story harvesting I want to just let you know about some things that are happening in the Story Powered Institute in the next week um, it's the online story community that I created kind of based on this show and all the cool stuff that we talk about so we're going to be doing a story coaching clinic, and I am on the dock as the as the coach this time, and we're doing a, a clinic on being vulnerable without being a victim. I have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and leaders asking about, you know, how do I become vulnerable? We hear we're supposed to be vulnerable in our storytelling. How do I do that without uh, looking like I'm a victim or looking like I don't have expertise? So it's a practical story coaching clinic to help you with that, and it's on Monday, December 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it's free for story fans who are on the site and only 20 bucks if you're not a member of the site. So you can register for that at storypower.institute backslash salon. So just go to the salon page and you'll see all the stuff coming up. Okay, so today I'm excited to be talking to someone whose work I've admired for a long time. It's very well known, very respected in the story world. So I'm going to um, talk to you about Mary Alice Arthur. 
so Mary Alice is a story activist, and I love that. I just love the, the term. She's a story activist working with story in service of positive systemic shift and for focusing collective intelligence on critical issues. In plain speak, she creates spaces where the right story can take place or take people into a flourishing future. She's an internationally recognized process host, building capacity for people to host and harvest their own stories and the stories that surround them in the systems they live and work in. She's worked as a consultant all over the world and is now based in Europe. She's inspired, intrigued, and working with large and small systemic stories that hold keys for a more generative future. Her next focus is the story of peace at the heart of the European Community Project. Her work has been featured in the books like Wake Me Up, When the Data is Over, How Organizations Use Stories to Drive Results. That's Laurie Silverman. She was on here a few weeks ago. And in the recent Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. And also um, David Hutchins, who is, who is also a guest on this show. So two very good books. And uh, both authors speak highly of Mary Alice and the work she does. Mary Alice, welcome to Story Powered. Thanks very much, Leanne. Great to be here. It's so nice to chat to you. So obviously, I've seen your work around, um, but you and I don't know each other. So this is, I, but I've heard and yeah. read a fair amount about you in terms of your journey. So tell us, tell us your story because it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty exciting one, I think. <laughs> well, I, I was, just set you up um, there. I'm, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Where did it all start? And I was. Um, one of those kids that walked to school reading two books at the same time. I grew up in Indiana, so fortunately the world was flat where I grew up, so I could do that kind of thing. And, and I don't know if having a father who was an English teacher had anything to do with it or not. <laughs> but I loved uh, myths, and, myths and legends and the illustrated Greek uh, stories and all those kind of things. But it wasn't until I lived in New Zealand and attended the first Glistening Waters Storytelling Festival that I actually really got a hit about how powerful stories are. And if you can imagine a bunch of adults sitting in a in a kid's classroom, you know, on those little chairs, <laughs> yes, <laughs> listening <I do. laughs> to J.O. Callahan, who is one of the most, I think, gifted and gracious uh, people I think I've ever met. He's the only person I really wanted to become adopted by. <laughs> and he told this story called Penelope with the Thousand Rainbows in Her Pocket, which sounds kind of interesting. It was a serial story inside of a story. And it started like this. Um, on one day in a little village, two baby boys were born at exactly the same time, and everyone waited to see who would be the better man. And then the story unfolded, and at the end it was so touching that literally everybody was in tears. Now, I've never heard him tell that again, although I've heard him tell it a, uh, a few different times. But the, I just saw this thing in the room, and I went, what was that? Wow. And then a split second later, I had that, I wonder if I could do that thing happen. Nice. And that's became, when I became the ghost on the 398.2 shelf in the library, <laughs> <laughs> looking up folk tales and fairy tales and myths and legends. But in 1997, I was at a conference with Patricia Aberdeen. She had been the co-author of Megatrends with John Nesbitt in 1983. And I don't know if you remember that book. I don't remember any other trend out of it besides the one that stuck in my mind, which is high-tech, high-touch. Oh, right, yes. And this is the interesting thing, and I think we're, we're having even more of that trend right at the moment. So the 1970s was the rise of personal computers, but it also was the storytelling revival in the U.S. and in the U.K. 
So Jonesboro, which is one of the, you know, Jonesboro, Tennessee, which is usually the first weekend in October every year, 10,000 people go to that festival. It's kind of like the granddaddy or the grandma of all the other storytelling festivals. And that kind of came about in the 70s at the same time as this other thing. But anyway, she was giving a speech at that conference in 97 about what she thought the next trends were. And she said, leader is storyteller is going to be one of the trends. And she gave me the page out of her speech. I think I still have it somewhere in a file. Um, and so okay. I was a facilitator at the time. And I thought, I wonder when the, my, my love of story is going to meet my professional career. So that's kind of how it all started for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that, that's a, a really cool intersection as well in terms of, especially where we are now in 2015, um, but that's that's a long time ago that she predicted that. So, um, so how did so how did you kind of so you kind of thought, okay, well, how will these things meet? So, what happened next? Well, it was 2003 when the uh, group gathered in Washington D.C. So, the, a group of people, including Steve Denning, Madeline Blair, and some other people who are still in the field, uh, called a, a conference on on organizational storytelling. So 2003 was when people, I like to say, it was a new field. It was a bright new field, and there were some people outstanding in it. (laughs) I love it. That's brilliant. (laughs) So that's the time that that people first came together and talked about organizational storytelling as something interesting and a possible new orientation. And it also was the same time, the same year, that I met uh, Dave Snowden and uh, his work that has now become Cognitive Edge, but at the time was the Kinevin Center inside of IBM, which was looking at narrative practice. And so I went to uh, Singapore in the midst of SARS. I figured if they were going to send somebody as important as Dave to Singapore, it must be safe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, in April, I went to, to Singapore, and then I think it was around the same time, not far off that, that I was also in Washington, D.C. And so that's, for me, when that first chunk began of how I can use my professional capacities working with groups and also bring storytelling. And then the story activist piece came much later when I heard an interview with New Zealand actor Cliff Curtis, and he said in this interview, anyone who works with storytelling is an activist. And I just, I sat there stunned for a moment. That's it. You know, I'm a story activist. <laughs> nice. And uh, that's really what's been been really, really interesting to me from that point. Uh, how do stories work systemically? Uh, how do we recognize that we're like a fish in water? We live inside of stories and, um, you know, and, and what's my bottom line on the work I do? And, and that's a piece that really... Uh, really came home to me last November when I was working with a group. So all of these pieces have kind of been lining up over time. Wonderful. Now, and your, now your business is called SOAR. Can you tell us what that stands mm-hmm. for? Significant Orientations, Amazing Results. Nice. And what, what does that, that mean for you? <laughs> it really means how you look at things makes a difference. Love it. Love it. It's so true. Um, it's so true. And I, I came up with that name when I was kind of between uh, my last my last full time job and, and beginning to work for myself. I, I thought, what is my, my my USP? You know, what's my unique thing that I do? And that I see things slightly differently than other people. Right. And that's always been a skill. I'm the kind of person that says, uh, I have a question, and people say things like, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> and to me, it looked quite obvious. So I'm kind of like, what? <laughs> that, that's a lifelong thing, isn't it? When, 
<laughs> I find I find that too sometimes. I'm like, how how can you not see this? I don't get it. <laughs> but it's true for people who love story because we also know that it's it moves, it changes, it shifts. Yeah. So, um, so that's why I love I love the the name of your your business and also you know basically what you're because you you know we don't talk about results either all that often in, in story. So, you know the fact mm-hmm. that you're kind of um, you're not alluding to it. You're saying this this creates results. So tell us about your work and some of the things that you've you've done in the last uh, ten years. Then, well, uh, it's, it's it's kind of run the gamut. From uh, there's a very big merger process I worked on for five months for telecom in New Zealand. Um, kind of at the beginning of that of that arc, where we used appreciative inquiry as mm. the, the piece for bringing people into the merger and, and keeping them well together. So this was not a hostile takeover, but a merger of equals, and they wanted to keep everyone, as somebody kind of nicely described it, it's kind of like taking the 747 while it's fully loaded and flying and changing the engine. <laughs> and wanting, oh my goodness. wanting to stay on course and keep everybody in the plane. <laughs> it's kind of like that. So they merged these two businesses. And we used story, the power of stories. So you know, a lot of appreciative inquiry in, uh, practitioners may not call themselves narrative-based, but I actually yes. see appreciative inquiry as a narrative-based practice. Yes. So we really went out to say, if we invited people to share story with each other inside of a merger process, it might be possible for them to come together instead of this great fear, because the, you know, the word merger is just so horrible. And you know, mm-hmm. if you ask in any group, who of you have... Uh, if you ever enjoyed a merger, you're never going to get a positive response to that. <laughs> That's true. But, but it was really that case. Could we help them to see that their similarities and also to see the gifts that were coming from these new people who would now be their colleagues? And could we at the same time uh, light the lights under a few different things? We had decided to really focus on passionate people, so people were really passionate and keen on what they were doing and on the business that they were in. Raving fans, so... Uh, People you, you worked with as clients who were so convinced of your business that they sold you instead of you having to sell yourself. And the last one, which I think should be should have been uh, um, a little bit of a knee shaker for the leadership team was irresistible leadership. Mm-hmm. So we asked people to tell stories about when they experienced irresistible leadership with people they had worked under, people they had worked with, and people who had worked to them. So we were trying to get the concept of leadership out of the title and out of the business card and into the mind as something that everyone can do inside of this 1,300-person uh, system. Wow. And it just worked a treat. It was fantastic. That's not to say it wasn't, it wasn't hard work, Yeah, yeah. but it was really, really fascinating. And the thing I learned from that particular piece of work is how much story and metaphor ride together. Yes, so I was, right. and I know when you can find the right metaphor, you can get traction on the system really easily because the metaphor is like a condensed storyline. So yeah, that everybody can get behind, like, right? Exactly. I'm sorry. So, and, and the way you find that is, is if you watch people saying, "Well, it's kind of like this," and if you got everybody going, "Yeah," then you know you've <laughs> actually hit it, and it has to come from inside of the system. Yes. So I heard yes, somebody I in agree. that in that work saying, "Well, it's like we're the best firefighters in the world, but if this." merger were to be a really good thing, we would stop all this firefighting and get on to the good stuff. Ooh. So that became moving from firefighter to fire lighter. <gasps> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and it's line. funny. So that people, was really cool. 
It's extremely cool because I often have people asking, and, you know, it's this whole thing in organizational development and change management. Often people um, kind of push back on it a bit and kind of say, well, you know, that's fine for a small organization, but, you know, a bigger organization, you can't, you know, you can't really change it. You can't really shift it. And and um, you've just identified what it is. Like for me, it's the, it's the metaphor and it's the simple message and the, but it has to be internally found and everybody can get behind it but often it's the simplest thing for people to grasp onto is the thing that they can drive the change with so that's a wonderful example i had the same thing in a organ i worked in a it was a power company and they were trying to merge all these different business units that all had been bought up by the company and were working in different ways and so they, they named their, their change project One Transalta. So Transalta was the name of the business. It doesn't exist anymore, so I can talk about that really easily. <laughs> um, and as I was listening to my team, and we were, we were working on one of the, the uh, value statements of the business, which was seamless. And I'd asked everybody that day to bring in something that they thought demonstrated seamless. You know, so I had somebody say, oh, look at the zipper on my pants. Uh, here's my wedding ring. You can't see anything. You know, you can't see any join. And they, they gave all these descriptions. And so then I just kind of, in the moment, I don't know why, I said, so what does it actually feel like now? And I listened to a few people saying it. And then one person said, it's kind of like we're these puzzle pieces that don't fit together. Oh. And the rest of them went, yeah. So that yeah thing again? Wow. Okay, so what would it feel like if it were seamless? We would all fit together. And they went, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, the simplest thing we did, we just got these, we made these big puzzle pieces with photographs of people from oh. the different places. And then as we were going to launch this in every place, the team just said, so, you know, we're going to put the puzzle pieces together. And the whole organization went, yeah. <laughs> The easiest change project I've ever worked on. Uh, and we That's were incredible. At the point of it was going wonderfully when they got bought by a, by a larger company, which was very old school and immediately stopped our oh. two innovative change process. <laughs> what a shame. What a shame. But you're right. That yeah moment, there's nothing better. Yeah. There's nothing better in a yeah. group of people who are feeling disjointed, fearful, disconnected it's uh it's a really cool moment and and you know you say that this is kind of the easiest change but I think it's it's um the challenge is is that it's easy when you hear and listen and like you said you know find their story of what's happening for them rather than imposing it that's I think that's the difference a lot of times uh, people come in and try and impose change um, and you, you, you can, but it's much better to, to help your group grab onto something that they're willing to navigate themselves. And like you say, metaphor and stories, yeah. just, oh, that's I mean, the best we, way to do it. We have a love-hate relationship with change, don't we? Because, we do. you know, really, if there were no change, there would be no, if we didn't like change at all, there would yeah. be no fashion industry, there would be no travel industry, and we certainly would not have children. Because, <laughs> that's really. so true <laughs> that's I mean, if, right. you, if you have a child watch out because like everything is going to change isn't it yeah and so that's we don't we, we love it on one hand and we hate it on another hand and I, I found out why because recently here in Denmark I met an educational researcher who told me he had he had scientifically found out that in order to learn there must first be discomfort even pain right and that is because you are changing the neural network. So it actually can be physically painful to go through change. So that's what we hate about it. Right. But we are okay with it when we have a hand, a hand in it. Yes. 
That makes sense because we can I mean, control for me, our pain. That's, the can. that's where that's where story comes in. That makes great sense. Because that I makes can tell my sense. story. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and navigate my story, my own. So it's about exactly. power too, but for sure. What I've realized over time, and I, you know, if you if you think of the Tao symbol, you know, you got the yin yang yeah. in your mind. Everybody yeah. picturing a yin yang now. <laughs> I got it. There's part, there's, yeah, there's storytelling. In other words, the leadership team or whoever, whoever is helping to host the change needs to begin to pattern the, uh, and facilitators speak pattern the space for the change. So you begin to you need to lay down the bed of story about what's going to happen and what it will be like, and especially it's going to be challenging, helping people to realize it's going to be challenging, but we can make it. So on the one hand. Leaders need to help shape the field through the stories they tell and the stories they reinforce. And those might not always be um, positive. They might be, the, I think, what, a, what uh, Annette Simmons called the kick in the seat of the pants kind of story. Yeah. You, you want to, those are good too. Don't do it. Don't do a Kevin. No, not the Kevin. Not. Kevin is great. He was last week, right? But um, don't, do a, yeah. don't do a Robert. You know, Robert was the guy yeah. who, mm-hmm. So those kind of stories help keep people on track from a, from a values and a change perspective. But then if you can work with the stories in the system, so I call that storytelling and story work. Then these, when these two are working together, then you have the, the leverage point for change. Nice. Perfect. And you know what? You've just uh, linked us well to the next um, segment where we can then start talking about the story harvesting. So we're going to take a quick break right now and just let you know you can find Mary Alice Arthur at www.getsoaring.com and also at the storydojo.com. So we're going to be back and we're going to find out what story harvesting is and why it's important for your organization. So we'll see you in a second. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey there, welcome back. I'm Liam Pico, your host, and today I'm chatting with Mary Alice Arthur of SOAR and the Story Dojo. And um, before the break, Mary Alice and I were having a great chat about organizational storytelling. Um, I, I'm just so thrilled, and I said a little bit already about this, but... Um, you know, so often um, it's it's great to hear these examples from Mary Alice because so often when we talk about story and people kind of say, and we were just talking about this in the break, people kind of say, oh, that's okay for a little organization, but these big organizations, it's, you know, it's too big. You're just not going to be able to, to do it. And, and you know, I, I believe the opposite. I believe that the only way to make change in a big organization is to um, work with story. Um, there's so many other tools and techniques for sure, but the stories live everywhere in a big organization and they take over departments and they take over teams. And, yeah. and so, yeah. you know, it's, it's huge, isn't it, Mary Alice, in those big organizations? It's, it's, it, it, it really lives is. there. The thing, the thing that most managers don't want to hear when you talk about change is when you say how long it might possibly take. They're right. like, you know, can we have it by next week? But, but it's, <laughs> I, I really learned something when I went to Northern Ireland in August this year. I was there to do some capacity building around hosting and harvesting our conversations that mattered, and, of course, storytelling is part of that. We were at the Cornilla Peace Center. So um, one of my colleagues took me into Belfast and showed me the Peace Wall. It's called the Peace Wall. Um, so essentially you have communities who, because there's peace in Northern Ireland, supposedly, but the story of the troubles and all the things that came before hasn't gone away because that story keeps getting fed at the breakfast table. And that can still happen in organizations too. Even when you're doing, doing your change process, the basic storyline takes longer to change because unless people are involved in the change, and this is why it's good to involve them, then the old protagonist storyline, even though the protagonist, the main, the main actors in whatever the first story was, have changed their minds and gone on, their friends and family who are not involved in the change still keep the old storyline going. Nice. So I heard this in the Peace Center when it, when it comes to violent conflict, but I think the same is true in organizational structures. So you really have to work your storyline for a long time. You have to stick with it. So I think the challenge for senior, the senior leadership team is, okay, this is no longer flavor of the month. Can't we talk about something else? But our, our advertising colleagues would tell us it takes somebody seven times to actually hear a message before it gets That's in. That's right. So you kind of have to keep on the same storyline and keep enhancing the storyline for long enough to shift the ship. <laughs> I agree. And like you say, though, when people are involved in it, it does take it, – it, not that it takes less time, but there's more buy-in and they're more invested in, mm-hmm. in the new story. Exactly. Uh, and that's exactly. the part that I think people forget is is that, you know, why – I can have senior leadership come into my organization and tell me, you know, how it's going to be different and the new thing that we're doing and why and this vision. And we spend all this time on a strategic plan. Look at this. And and I can sit there and yeah. go, and, you know, like it's, what does that mean to me? How does it impact me? 
Um, why mm-hmm. is it important to me, and why should I tell that new story? Exactly. So that is, we, we were talking about in the very line of sight, you know, how can I see how my work fits into the overall vision? Am I valued in that overall vision, even if our That's organization right. is huge? You know, how does that kind of percolate down to me? And is there, like, a consistent story line going through the layers of um, management and leadership? Yes. And are the senior leadership team prepared to look at? I go around sometimes saying to people, you know, leadership is an invitation. And there are some invitations to speak up and some invitations to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Very rarely are senior leaders aware of the invitation they're issuing just in the way they are being, the way they are speaking, or the kind of stories they tell. Oh, yes. So you I've have seen, to be prepared to look at yourself. You know, how are we creating this thing that we're experiencing as a leadership team? I agree. I agree. And even just messages like, you know, and again, I've seen it. It's like we've spent all this time doing this at senior level. And it's like as if I'm going to say anything now because you're <laughs> like there's just little indicators all the way through. It's so yeah. true. It's so yeah. true. You're right. Now, let's go a harvesting because like we said, there's stories everywhere. So what, what do you mean by, what is story harvesting? What, what, um, what does it mean to you and what does it mean in an organization? Well, I'm part of the, the uh, art of hosting community. So art of hosting uh, on an international level is a loosely connected network of people who really think conversation, and I would say also that story, is the basis of human transformation. So how do you invite people into the conversations that most matter so that they can make good results together? So there are a lot of people doing a lot of work together. It would be nice if we came out with a bit wiser action than we've had before. That should hopefully be where we're (laughs) heading towards. So if you host something and you create the space for people to come together, then the harvest, and we, we use that word quite um, specifically because it's tied to the agricultural metaphor. You know, like no gardener would do something in the garden if they weren't concerned with the harvest. And your harvest might be vegetables or it might be flowers or it might be uh, reforestation of, a, of somewhere that had been devastated for some reason by, by fire, for example. Or it might be uh, beauty or recreation. So every gardener sets out with a purpose to have some result, and and that's their harvest. So we look at that, too, from a conversational point of view or from a storytelling point of view. There is also a harvest. There's a tangible one, and there's an intangible one. So the intangible harvest of storytelling is the connection we have between each other. I call that depthing the system. That's not a (laughs) proper English verb, except in my my language. Depthing the system means... I like when we it. tell each other stories, it's like we grow our root system together. It's like we're oh, connected for nice. it suddenly. Nice. So something happens. It's like we're, when, we, when we actually listen to each other's um, experience, uh, if there's vulnerability or we're telling about challenges that we've faced that, that, we're, uh, that we're able to share, then that gives us more trust to each other and that helps us to come to a different understanding. It takes the system into a different capability of working together. That's marvelous. So I just so, have the image of, I wanted to share the image of the intertwining of roots. Yes. Oh, yeah. this is why I love metaphors so much. Because you can visualize, <laughs> I, I can see what you're talking about right now. Yeah, so if you, if you want to just really rock that metaphor, I love metaphors, you can probably tell, then, then stories are the mycelium sheets. They're the thing that connects everything together, and they're the things that bring the nutrients and information to the root system of the trees. 
Right. Nice. They well, are that makes most sense. of the time underneath the surface. Like all you see of a, of a mushroom, uh, on the mycelium sheep usually are the mushrooms that have popped up over the surface. But they're only part of what's happening. There's a whole bunch of it underground you can't see. And stories are exactly the same. Yeah. Right? So you so have to harvest. That's the intangible. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So on the tangible level, you know, people are doing amazing project work. There's stuff happening in organizations. Um, but often if you're working on a large project, it can, after a couple of years or even after a couple of months, if it's a big thing, feel like you've been run over by a tank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. What was that? It's two years down the track. <laughs> what, and you forget what you've learned or you cannot see easily what you've learned because you've been so busy in the detail. Right. So we came upon Collective Story Harvest. That's the name of, of what we do in this whole process. Very simple. About five years ago, three colleagues, uh, three of us were in Brisbane in Queensland. We were invited by our colleague to come into a gathering of senior public officials, and they were all on a learning journey together. So if you can imagine the head of the school system, the head of prison, the head of education, she was the head of disability support services, and they were on a nine-month learning journey together. And so she invited the three of us to come into one of their lunch sessions. And then she said, okay, I'm going to give you the group. What do you want to do? <laughs> and so we looked at each other. <laughs> and we decided to share one of our big practice stories, the story of Columbus, Ohio, uh, and their project, Our Optimal Health. So Columbus, Ohio, decided to have a look at how do we create affordable health care for everyone in Franklin County? So you know the U.S. system isn't usually focused in that way, and they have been working on this for 16 years now. Oh, my goodness. And so we decided to tell the story to these senior people in Brisbane because we wanted to see if we could help to provoke something in their minds of a different way of looking at public service and the public good. And before we stepped into this little storytelling, we kind of looked at each other and we said, because our practice is hosting and harvesting, well, let's harvest something and maybe this time let's invite others to do it with us. Okay, so we decided a few things we wanted to listen for. So it's so harvesting in this case is really listening for a purpose. And we chose a number of what we call harvesting arcs. You know, every story has an arc or a shape to it. So we chose a few arcs and arcs can be things like Leadership, you know, what are, what are new ways of working or new forms of leadership that you can hear in this story? Uh, synchronicity, the way the, sh- the story shapes out. Um, courage, you can listen to a story in many different ways depending on who you are and what you want to be gathering out of the story. Right. So we noticed that the few people who said yes to this little assignment actually got so much more out of the story than anybody else. And that made us really curious, and so we kept going. And so we, we finally now, after five years, we have uh, worked with this method, listening to one story in a group, you know, listening like to a project story or an organizational or initiative story, and harvesting it to see what we can find out from that initiative, either for us as a listening group or for the people whose initiative it is. We have listened to multiple stories simultaneously, so I was in a conference of 215 people, and we were listening to 15 stories using the same harvesting arcs, and then we came back together as a group and, and discussed what have we learned over all these stories about these specific things we went after. Um, I've used it as the core of a, t- a team-building events for organizations by consulting their strategic plan, their vision statement, and who they want to be in the world to see what we needed to listen for in order to right. stimulate that in the staff system. Uh, And we've done 
harvesting of everybody sitting in trios, each telling a story, but all harvesting together, and then seeing what do we find out across all of our stories. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, my goodness. I could just listen to your examples all day because it just gives me goosebumps to think of all these yeah. wonderful processes. So let me ask you this, though, Mary Alice, because, so you, you know, in your name, yeah. you talk about you talk about results and we've talked about, um, you know, buy-in being a, a good result for story mm-hmm. harvesting, but what other, um, so for people who are listening, kind of going, yeah, that all sounds really nice, but what about the results? So why, why is, right? Why are specific results? Right. Yeah. What kind of results did, do you see or did have you seen in terms of business productivity or development? Like what, what results do you get from a, a harvesting process? Well, maybe the, I could talk about uh, this team building, a team building that I've done using the using story at the core of their sure. two-day team building. Yeah, so that'd be great. This was a 50 person group gathering in um, in Wellington in New Zealand. It was a community action. They are an outreach of the Methodist Church, and they help people who are um, the marginalized members of society. So they've done some very innovative work with gangs, with young people on the streets, with um, supporting people who have been destitute or uh, impoverished in some way or fallen into gambling, stuff like that. Uh, so they said to when we were working on this together, we are scattered geographically. And so each one of us uh, feels really strongly about the work we do, but I, we get the sense there's not a collective sense of Wesley community action and us as a wider team. So we had one objective. Can we help everyone step into the same story together? Number one. Number two, there was a story that they wanted to kill off in their system. (laughs) Mm, I love that, that they knew that. That's so cool. There was a part of the business, an original uh, part, very early on as this organization came to life, which was an elder care facility, which they, uh, at one point in time, wanted to to kind of exit out of the business. They looked at it again and said, no, actually, this is a really important community service. We need to keep our attention here. But the storyline was still continuing. They want to get rid of us. So they said, we need to kill that storyline off. And, of course, now we can kill the stories with another story. So we wanted to build a story, we wanted to kill a story, and we wanted to make people aware of the founding story. Where did it come from? Mm. And when we were grappling with, okay, what story do we tell? We looked at the name, Wesley Community Action. We decided to bring three stories. Wesley, the story of John Wesley in 17-whatever-80 thing about the, the founding father's story. We brought the community story. This was the story of the elder care and how it wasn't true that it that they still wanted to get rid of it, that actually this was a very viable and important part of the business. And the action story was about the innovative work they were doing with young people. And we selected our storytellers accordingly. And then for the harvesting arcs, we were really looking at how do we support the strategic plan to become a document that has life in it, not just I read this and I put it on the shelf and go, oh, yeah, oh, by the way, I have to report on that in five months. Right, yes, but how exactly. do you make it? How do you make it alive inside of the system? And we chose um, things to harvest according to that that and the, the vision statement, and, and they wanted to become a voice for marginalized people that was respected at governmental level. So how do you also listen for that inside of the story and say, how are we already doing that and what can we learn from what we're already doing? 
Nice. Love it. And we also, the secret team building part was when we, when I laid out the arcs, and usually there are maximum of seven different things we listen for. One of those is a witness. So one is the witness role, really paying attention to how the story is working inside of this group. What is happening to us because we are sitting in this story. So that's one of the focus uh, possibilities. And then there are six other ones people could choose. And the secret team building was, please choose the thing you're most interested in and see if you can get with other people you don't normally work with. The best way from from my perspective to do a team building is have people work on what matters to them with each other. Yes. So that was the (laughs) secret It's huge. It's huge. We forget that all the time. Yeah. So they all listened to the story together. And what we really found out from the founding story was, gosh, John Wesley was a radical dude. In his time period, he was um, taught by his mother, so he had, on, on one level, very feminine values. He believed that you shouldn't just go to church on Sunday, you should actually do what you, you practice what you're talking about. And he had a method, which is how come it became Methodism. I didn't know that. No. Uh, and so, and he really supported gay people and women and, you know, people who were quite marginalized at the time. So that, hearing that sounding story gave uh, I guess, license to the group to be more radical than they thought they could be. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, I, That's you know, so cool. Me, that really, that, yeah, that really taught me, you know, founding stories are important. It's really important to yes. go back to what is the founding story and what part of it are we pulling, what part of it are we living from right now, and is that helpful? Yes, I completely agree. And I, when I work with nonprofits, and this is the case for business too, because you know it's it's similar in some ways. But with nonprofits, particularly, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I work with them on. And we talk about the why, and often it's the founding story. Like, mm-hmm. what what problem was there that a person yeah. or a group of people got together to try and solve? Um, yeah. And if you can kind of go back to that, then that attach like people do get attached to. Oh yeah, that we were trying to make social change rather than just you know write funding reports or. Um, mm. and, and and I love that moment when people attach themselves back to the kind of the reason for being. It's it's really important. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I, I, I saw this two weeks ago. I was in Prague supporting a scouting conference, and oh, um, Lord Baden Powell, of course, came out of the yeah. Victorian era, and yeah. You know, you could say that's very imperialistic, it's very racist, it's very whatever, but if you actually look at the founding story of Baden-Powell, he yes. was um, a bit of a keen um, woods guy, woodsman, you know, so he, he was, learned yeah. how to disappear and cover his tracks and not be found if he didn't want to be found, and that's actually kind of interesting. Well, especially for kids, right? Yeah, I still remember the yeah. Lord and Lady Baden-Powell stories. I, it, was, uh, it was something that brought the group together when you were... When you uh, you know guides and also scouts. So how do you? It's like kind of how do you put the 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 part of the story that belonged to a time period in that time period and say that was then, and yeah. here's what we want to pull out of that. But also remembering the Victorian time was a time when social work and and uh, working for the common good actually came high. Those those who had wealth were expected to be responsible with it. That's so right. It was actually That's a right. different time period, and there were some good things that came out of it. That's, that's right. right. And like you say, it's framing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know what? We're going to talk a little bit more about the how. We're going to um, talk after the break. So we're going to just have a quick break. And then when we come back, Mary Alice and I will be talking about how do you story harvest. And we've kind of started a little bit on that in terms of looking mm-hmm. at the founder's story, but maybe some we'll get some practical tips as well. So um, just a reminder that you can find Mary Alice Arthur at GetSoaring.com and TheStoryDojo.com. And we'll be back with some how and some action steps for you in just a moment. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm Leanne Pico, your host, and I'm talking today with Mary Alice Arthur of SOAR. We were just talking before the break about, um, you know, I was just saying to Mary Alice how, how great it is to hear these examples because I, I get, you know, I, I hear often, like I said before, people kind of the resistance to utilizing story and it's just great to hear of all the different ways and, you know, I'm a story obsessive anyway. So um, I don't know about you, but I'm just so loving hearing these examples. Mary Alice, you're just, um, you're bringing it to life for me. So I wanted to thank you for that. It's so cool. Oh, good. Good. It, really cool but listen so we we've heard about the what and the why so what about the how so if you're an organization your leader say or you're you're uh, an organization it doesn't even have to be going through big change necessarily to use this technique right no it's really great to to story harvest if you're in for example a project so that regular intervals during the project you tell the story and you try to harvest what you've learned out of it or what you could see are some windows for for different kind of work uh, if you're an organization, it sometimes it's good to go back to your founding story, to go back to stories that are, are key stories in the organizational life to just say, where are we at? And rem- remind us who we are and why we're doing this stuff. 
if you're a leader, every so often it can be great to, to have people listen to your story of leadership and help you really harvest out of that. What have I learned as a leader? and What do I know about oh, my capacity? Oh, I love that. You know, you can apply this anywhere. And I've also said to some teams I work with, you can use this strategically, too. If right. you have some people you'd really like to have on your side in, in your story with you, but somehow you've not managed that, then a, a collective story harvest can be one way to do that. So you say, hey, we're going to review our project, and we'd really like you to come and help um, analyze how it went. Only your analysis is in story form, not a, not a kind of brain-based, left-brain analysis, but rather listening to the story with particular things you want to have people listen for and use their talents and use their um, way of, of looking at it in a way that will help bring them into your story. So you can use this quite strategically, too. Wonderful, wonderful. So now, it's, okay, so I'm a leader wanting to use it in my project team. Can you give me some tips on how to do that in a, in a way that um, makes sense to the, the kind of the group, but also gets, like we talked about, the results that we're looking for? Do you have some action tips for, for people? Yeah, I mean, the first one is, what story do you want to tell? What, what are you trying to do? You know, what's the purpose? So the first okay. question, what's the purpose? And therefore, what is the story that you want to tell? And then the question is, what shape is that story and who tells it? You know, so I worked with, in the, in the example was the community action, the three tellers. I, I worked very carefully with the senior people in the business to, to help select the tellers and right. to, to shape how they were going to, to put this together. And we worked on the arts together. So if we know what story we're going to tell and we help people bring a shape to their story, because every human is a storyteller, but not everybody has got their, their act together to help the rest of us hear their story <laughs> yes. well. True. And it's actually a really intense thing to be listened to in this manner. People yeah. are, are most of the time incredibly moved because they say, I haven't, I haven't been listened to with that much attention and mm. focus and support before, and it's fantastic and a bit overwhelming. Wow. <laughs> so it's kind of yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. And then what do you want to harvest? So I was looking up, I had written a case study of the Wesley thing, and I found the list of the harvesting arcs. And so we had looked at, um, we first of all did have people write down the story arc because we wanted to preserve it, and it hadn't been told like that before. We asked some people to just harvest for key learnings because we just wanted them to be in, what can we learn out of this? We looked at authentic relationships because the business had said, we say people are the most important part of our work, but, but are they really? You know? So yes. what do we learn about authentic relationships? Transformation and collaboration. Where were points of transformation and collaboration in our story? What can we learn from those? And this one, being unique, innovative, and being a leader was one of the things they wanted to be seen for. So we decided to harvest for that so that we were patterning the space for people really paying attention to that particular thing. So those were some of the things we listened for because wow. they wanted to move those on. And then okay. the other thing, um, so, and the other thing is give enough time for it. So this kind of a process, minimum needs about 90 minutes and better it would be if you're really going to dig into a story that you had three or four hours to really sit with it and allow people to talk about what they've heard. Right. So 90 minutes will give you time for about a 20-minute story and for 20 minutes of people feeding back and uh, a little more. And um, how the process works is you, first of all, set the, set the frame. Here's why we're here. Uh, secondly, introducing the arcs. Here's what we're going to listen for. The story's about this and here's what we're listening for and have people choose what they want to do and figure out how they're going to do it. 
introducing the storyteller because it's it's so much easier for a story to come in being introduced and welcomed rather than having to fight right. its way in. Right, and love the that. Storyteller tells the story, and all the harvesters are busy harvesting, writing notes. Then the harvesters report in. Here's the, the top things, you know, like here are my top three gold nuggets, or here's here's a, a little tracy of what I learned. While the storyteller harvests, so then the storyteller becomes the harvester. When the harvesters are done, the storyteller then says, what have I learned from your learning of my story? And then the final one to report in is the witness. What's happened to us while we've been in this story together? What, what do you notice from the, from the meta perspective, from the perspective of really sensing how is it working in us? What am I noticing about how we're being together or any of those other things you want to give some, some voice to in this group? Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it because it is an interactive process, and that's what I. So I I'm just loving um, what you're what you're talking about because it's not just the leader kind of coming up with the story and imposing it on everybody. It's this kind of joint co-creation of the new story. But I just I the 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 um, the other piece for me is around the skill set of listening and enabling mm-hmm. people because I, I can I can see moving forward them in team meetings and groups listening yeah. in a whole different way. Yeah. So that the yeah, the listening, the witnessing, which is a capacity that's not used a lot in our world at the moment, but boy do we need yeah. it. Yes. Uh, the the learning how to, to shape a story and um, really be in that story together. But the other thing that's really important to me, you know, I love it when people do PhDs and, and make sense of meaning and stuff, but when we make sense of meaning together, then we have dramatically increased our capacity in the field. We yep. become a field, and then we can do so much more. I agree. I agree. And within organizations, um, like you say, you can break it down to projects, you can have teams, you can have whole organizational pieces. There's lots of places for this to happen. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I just wanted to reiterate that, that you had said is is around leadership and that, that invitation and, um, as you put it, to speak up or shut up. Um, this this kind of process and interest, introducing it to your organization uh, demonstrates your list your leadership invitation overtly, which mm-hmm. I really like. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Mm-hmm. So we've got about a, a minute left. Do you have any final thoughts that you just wanted to share? Is there anything that we haven't um, talked about that you wanted to just kind of quickly? Well, I just, uh, as I was looking at my case study, I noticed one other thing that we did in the in the evening of that two-day team building for Wesley Community Action. We, we invited everyone connected to Wesley to come to dinner and then to share mm-hmm. stories about Wesley at its best. And those were some of the most beautiful moments. I could see the group visibly grow when they were in the field of being honored for, for what they've done over years and years of time. It's Love it. so, so inviting yeah. others into sharing story about when you've been at your best is fantastic, too. Uh, thank you, because it, it, we often sit in stories of failure. So thank you so much, Mary Alice. It was such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. If people want to get in touch, I do have things written up on Collective Story Hubs. So you know, please contact Marvelous. me, and I can send them back. Yeah, so go and check thank out Mary so Alice's much, site. Oh, thank you. It's, it, I've learned so much, and I, I, I just uh, I'm going to be thinking about this all week now because <laughs> I've learned a lot. So <laughs> make sure make sure you go and see Mary Alice at getsoaring.com, and don't forget to come and hang out with me in the Story Powered Institute. Be my story friend, storypowered.institute, um, and join us for the Story Coaching Clinic on being vulnerable without being a victim. Uh, story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you so much for joining me, Leanne Pico.
and story powered. I will see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. We'll be right back.